CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live. Today's topic is effectively managing end-of-life transitions. And our guest for today's show is Bill Chapman, who is the Vice President of IT for Aeroelectronic. How are you, Bill? How is life treating you? Oh, it's great. It's great. It's a nice day today in Colorado, so I'm having a, a good day. Thank you. Great. Now, we have uh, processes galore for helping product line uh, owners determine when or how to launch a new piece of hardware or software or a widget, including how to market it and make it successful. But there comes a point when you need to sunset a product or a solution that you may be offering. Often CIOs and uh, product managers go well past that point because they don't have a strong process. So today we wanted to dig into some of the challenges uh, that may be associated with the end of life of uh, such a product. So Bill, starting with this whole uh, product life cycle, we know that we look at a lot of different areas when we are launching a product. Uh, and when you're trying to make sure that you have, once you've captured enough value and you made enough money, if you will, from that offering and you want to sunset it, does that lose steam? Does that lose focus in most cases? Yeah, that certainly appears to be the case. When IT practitioners pull together equipment renewal programs and those type of things, they tend not to consider, you know, adding services or capital expenses to secure the retirement of their assets, you know, the disposition of the, the associated, you know, logic or, I mean, uh, storage devices and those type of things. So, so it's kind of, you know, um, a second thought. And I've known companies with large storage, you know, areas full of retired electronic assets that have, you know, been set aside for years even. And, you know, they still contain intellectual property, you know, and, and there's concerns these uh, that the CIO should have regarding, you know, ensuring that the intellectual property isn't dispositioned improperly, you know, that it, you know, goes on and, and passes on to uh, somebody else. And, it, you know, the assets could end up in landfills with asset tags pointing back to their companies. And um, they also need to be able to trust that, that the disposition of those ac- assets have been effective, right? And, and it's difficult to find the staff that's focused on that because that's not their primary duty. So um, this, of course, you know, is a, is a dilemma. So they tend not to deal with this end-of-life piece um, for assets. So would you say the end-of-life is a little, not exactly depressing, but something which is not going to directly add to the top-line growth or bottom-line savings? It is more like a necessary evil because you want to call it what, what we call sometimes as creative destruction, where you would let a particular product or solution go for it to be replaced by something which is more in line with what the market wants today. And that could very well mean uh, for a product company, which is launching a new product and also an enterprise application, which a CIO might be retiring or sunsetting 
just to make sure that people are now going to let go of that old system or software and and make room for the new so so do you think that 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 is a challenge because people don't have a connection to the top line growth or bottom line like direct impact is not there and that's why there is a stepchild syndrome yeah i think you know the the focus on a company and and it's natural and it, and it makes a lot of sense is essentially um you know looking at the strategic end of things that they're trying to create new market opportunities and and uh strategic growth and and so you go off and you make let's say um, a strategic plan, and that strategic plan is about doing, you know, something different, something new. And so, um, when it comes to the tail end of that thing, that says, okay, I'm going to upgrade my equipment set, I'm going to do, uh, put new, let's say, new databases in, or a whole new application series. Um, you know, you tend to get new equipment sets. There's lots of capital associated with it, but um, it's hard to say, you know, what am I going to go do with these old assets, with this old database, this old knowledge type stuff that we have, and ensure that, you know, we have a proper migration of the data that's, that's uh, critical, you know, for, for retention, but also we have to figure out what are we going to go do with that, that, those physical pieces of equipment that are, that are sitting there, right? And, uh, and so that's not strategic, so that tends not to be the focus but in the end, it becomes a real, you know, boat anchor, right? And so uh, it's, it's good to have a way to address it. And I think the industry, you know, has, has changed over the last 15 years. I remember, you know, as I said before, you know, there's big storerooms full of, of old equipment that's been retired. But now there's services and companies that can help you through this. And you don't have to have that expertise. And now it's at a reasonable cost, too. So... Um, I think it's it's kind of an awareness because now the, there's a whole industry that has matured around this, and it can help out the, with the CIOs, especially they can focus now on the strategic plan and the impact versus some of the stuff that have they have to do in the background, um, such as retiring old assets to be effective. Now, so interestingly, the trend that we see now is most organizations want to leverage cloud or other type of services which would reduce at least the dependency. And yes, there are organizations who use uh, on-premise hardware and software and you name it to run their IT, but there are quite a few people who are moving towards uh, cloud or other types of managed services. Do you think that is going to reduce the, the, the pain, if you will? Because they were anyway not looking at it, it was causing them a nagging pain, and perhaps this would would be a direction in which organizations are going, which is going to reduce or remove that nagging pain. Well, you know, it, to to some degree it may, but it just passes to a different you know entity. Essentially, if you're going to a hosting service, then um, you need to make sure that when the hosting service renews their hardware and and, and their environment that they're disposing of assets properly, too. And I know, you know, Arrow, you know, has, has formed a, you know, total, let's say, um, uh, end-to-end process, you know, going from everything from um, how do we transport the equipment and, and those assets securely, you know, how do we assess and, and, and audit that everything was actually shipped properly and transported properly to the processing center, you know, how do we um, address what this asset is? How do you properly delete it? Because some assets are very difficult, like cell phones. 
you know, that have flash memory in them and those things, you know, have uh, a, a, a whole different storage technique, you know, than the old hard drive type, type te- te- technology. And so um, coming together from an end-to-end perspective and going to a professional, that's great. But, you know, these hosting c- companies now, these cloud service companies, you know, they also have their, that responsibility now. It's just kind of moved to a different, um, let's say, entity. But I think it's still the CIO's responsibility to ensure, you know, intellectual property of the company is, you know, disposed of properly. So they still haven't lost that, you know, that headache. Uh, but, and, and so they need to make sure that whoever their service provider is, their hosting service provider is, you know, properly disposes of that equipment also. So, uh, so that was regarding the, the equipment side versus tangible things. Now, let's look at uh, the enterprise portfolio, if you will, and or an operating system that uh, a software maker may be producing. And now they say we are going to be looking at adding new features or fundamentally redesigning the architecture. And that's why we will have an end of life for that particular product which means all the goodwill that we generated and all the knowledge that we created in-house related to that product, all the, the investment that was made in building a consistent marketing machine, I mean, you name it, it's all been put on the hook to be removed and replaced by something brand new, which we don't know where that's going to go. So how, how does a company look at planning such a major uh, risk undertaking, if you will, because you're going from something which is tried and proven, but for some reason uh, the market doesn't need that as much or they think that they will be able to do better as a company by by providing uh, a newer piece of software or solution and thus they undo everything they did over the years. Yeah, that's that's a a really um, interesting problem, but we deal with that, you know, throughout our careers, right? The, um, we see that with, you know, email systems and, and, you know, ERP systems where they're, you know, they're really not compatible with their earlier versions and stuff like this. And so it's a major move, you know, um, and you're seeing it also with some of the operating systems. So uh, making those transitions is something that happens quite regularly. And, um, and normally, you know, you have to have a fairly educated team to go off and assess how to properly move forward. And I think I always kind of like to look at it as where do we want to go? Where is the future? And, and, and then identify that future point and then kind of back into, okay, now how do I disposition ourselves, you know, to, to get to that point? Do I need to um, extract the data, you know, convert it into a, a new format, you know, concatenate fields together or, or whatever? Um, those things, those details um, though they're, um, you know, they seem to be uh, distracting. Those details are, are essentially uh, the critical pieces of, of a strategy to go replace, you know, let's say major software um, uh, system changes and stuff like that. Where do you think the ball gets dropped? Because, of course, you know, everybody likes to do the best they can. Which are what are the traps and gotchas? Well, you know, I think. Um, in any of these dispositions, um, a lot of times the focus is on the new stuff. You know, when, when you pitch a, like a capital request, 
they're looking at, you know, here's what the, the benefits are, here's the ROI, you know, here's the, the plan and impact on the business and, and let's say the market opportunities and so on and so forth. Well, you know, again, just like when we were talking about the, the equipment assets, you know, there's not a huge focus on how, what happens with the retired, let's say, software system or uh, equipment set. And, and so, and I tend to use, you know, service providers that know what, you know, know the, um, that particular product, right? And they, and, and they can help me disposition how I'm going to um, deal with, uh, let's say, the retirement, right? Which, which could be, you know, moving data, and com- you know, uh, converting data to a new um, set of information or, or structure. And it's also the same thing with the equipment. So I think the ball gets dropped because um, the, the whole focus of the business and the, and the IT team is really about getting the new thing up rather than retiring the old thing. And that's why I think it's more critical than ever to, to have you know, services that are, let's say, experts and, and, and they, they practice in this field so that you, know, you don't have to worry about that. You can, you can keep a team that has uh, a focus on market impact, business profitability, those type of things, rather than, you know, the disposition of something that's been retired. So would you say, all in all, planning and, and conceptualizing and outlining the action items before uh, how all this is going to work out, do you think is less of an issue for organizations? Is it more when we are trying to make all this happen and then you see that you have gaps and capabilities of pulling this off? within a company just by themselves? Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's a really good question. And, and, you know, I used to have like a, well, I, I have a playbook that kind of says, here's the things that um, I would do, you know, in a project. And one of those sections of that playbook says, here's retirement. And the retirement could be equipment or it could be software, you know, data, whatever. And um, there's a lot of things to consider there. And so, I used to kind of keep that up to date. It was like, is, is there government information on here? Is there, you know, regulatory type things I have to deal with? Is there personal information, you know, contained in this, this equipment type stuff? And that became fairly complex, you know. And so, um, you know, it was definitely a worry, but it was something that I know that in the end, you don't get a lot of credit from it, you know, from, from disposing of something, you know, correctly, uh, because that's that's just kind of, uh, part of the baseline that they expect a CIO or, you know, an, an executive to go deal with. So um, I, I now believe that it's much simpler. You don't have to deal with all that stuff. You can outsource that and, and not have to keep that expertise. And your expertise can be focused on having the business impact and moving forward with the business versus trying to, you know, take care of some of the past, Right. You know, you don't want to take one step forward and two steps back type of thing. And, and that's why I think, um, that's why I was so interested to kind of get into this industry a little bit. Um, and, and, I'm, and I think it's a, it's a great uh, opportunity for companies to kind of offload some very complex stuff and, and be comfortable, right, and, and, and ensured that, that assets are going to be dispositioned properly. Let's take a quick break, listeners. When we come back, let's talk about the the ability to be proactively think 
when should we stop supporting a product that is no longer profitable or know when the right time is to sunset? Because there is no crystal ball, but if you're going to take that product or solution to the very nth mile where it has got no value left, you might be incurring losses already. That will not be looked very positively by anyone involved. But if you leave it too early, you're leaving money on the table. So what is what that what all goes into the decision making and what all issues that we feel or face and the dilemmas that we face while we try to do it? Let's explore that. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Bill, when we look at supporting uh, a product line and or a solution, as a product company or as an enterprise, we look at solutions. If you let go or announce or even think of letting go of a solution earlier, early enough, then it is frowned upon because we spent millions of dollars. Why are we doing it? If you wait till the last moment when we were already, you know, bleeding because of the inefficiencies that got creeped in just just by virtue of things not working properly or uh, other reason, that also is a reason to get the pink slip. So, What's the? How do you handle this dilemma? How do you make what we call a decision, an intelligent decision, which is seen as intelligent and informed decision by the stakeholders? Yeah. So, so you're talking more from the from the let's say the producer of the products, right? And and in in that case, you know, I think it's it's really critical to have a strategy around that, right? You know, and and you need to have the reasons well uh, identified on why you're going to make that transition so that you can, let's say, um, manage expectations on your customer side and 
And I think that's that's really critical. As you go through and you say, okay, here's my here's my software product. You know, I'm just not getting the revenue back. I've got a lot of you know uh, support costs for it, and and technology is moving forward, and associated technologies are becoming incompatible, or or whatever those factors are. Um, you, then you you decide that I'm going to have this new strategy. I'm going to pull out this new product, and what's this? What's the impact on the end customer? And you. You do know that because you know what the features were and, and the capabilities of the old product were. And so understanding what the impact was going to be to the, to the end customer I think is really critical. And then take that as an opportunity, turn that around, and look at that opportunity and say, okay, how can I provide a service? And it may be you know, uh, a fee-based service, right? Or, or maybe a free service, depending upon how you are in the, in the market on this. But um, how can I provide a service to retain my customers, right, and make that tr- transition over to the new product, right, or the revised product, um, you know, easy or amenable, so that so that they'll essentially stay with our product line. You know, maybe it's the new the new one or or the old one. But there's a whole other side to that. There is this whole secondary market that says. It's okay to run old. It's okay to um, run old equipment, and it's okay to old, run old software. And and you can see products all you know every day that have old operating systems in it, are using old processors and those type of things. And I think when we look into some of these um, like asset disposition parts, there's also this whole other side of of when you dispose of an asset creating spare parts out of that. And I think this whole spare part things on old equipment that have old software running on it gives that whole um, that generation a second life, right? And it's less expensive. Um, and, and it may be very applicable um, you know, to your, your particular needs, right? You can certainly see it in the, in the aerospace industry or you know the missiles and those type of things, uh, the government side of things. But uh, it's also that case, you know, with a lot of some of the a lot of the industry type stuff, medical equipment and that type of stuff, really could have a second life. And I think that's one of the things that the product manufacturers, both the hardware and software uh, companies, you know, should look at that that they could support the second life instead of trying to avoid that, you know, happening. Right? Uh, I think that's that's probably good for, you know, the society as a whole. You know. Uh, because third world countries could leverage some of this stuff, and um, so I think there's a whole different perspective to this. It's not just about um, moving to the new product to be competitive. It's about you know, can I offer a service to help transition existing customers that want to move, and is there a whole different avenue of can I create a renewal, a second life, or extended life, and and how can I how can I do that and and you don't have to do that as the product company. You could do that as, you know, go out and, and ask a company that's capable of doing that for you and pull that together, right, as, as a whole plan, and then you push that out at, at, into the market, right? Would you call that as a corporate social responsibility and, and a good PR initiative versus something which is, looks in, is looked at in terms of dollars and cents? Well, I, I think, um, and, and that's one of the reasons I kind of got into this whole thing. I think there is a social responsibility to this, but I think it needs to be um, effective and profitable, right? I mean, companies can't, you know, uh, maintain old, antiquated stuff. 
and, and lose money, that's just, uh, uh, you know, the stockholders, the, the um, stakeholders in the company aren't going to support that. So I think it's really important to say, you know, if there is a second life, if there's, if there's a renewal or a disposition where you're scrapping and, and, and salvaging stuff, um, they, they need to be able to make money on it. So it's, it's a partnership. And I think that um, the technology now and the maturity of the industries, and especially in the asset disposition side, has come to that point where you can now leverage that and uh, partner up with somebody who's, who's capable of doing that. Now, what you just mentioned actually makes uh, total sense when you're talking about something which can be leveraged as is or, or with minor changes in another organization or to a, can be sent to a third world country, et cetera, that you mentioned. When, when a CIO or another leader is built, say, a mothership ERP, not just customized another provider's ERP, for example, this, this option may not be available, but they had spent millions in producing it over the last, say, decade or decade and a half. And now comes the time when they say, we got to go and change it. The, the requirements have changed so much. The, maybe the code, the way it was written is so kludgy that we cannot keep uh, you know, ripping it apart and fixing it. So let's, let's fundamentally revamp. How does someone get funding to let go of something which has been working, even though it is bleeding, mm-hmm. uh, to get a revamp, uh, yeah. you know, get the blessing for that? Yeah, I think, you know, that's the, the, you know, the old cash cow type of thing, you know, that business has to face all the time. And, and, you know, um, you know, and you go through the, you know, the business program, economics type program, and they say, okay, you know, how do you extend that life or how do you create a new, you know, curve for that, for that product life cycle? And, um, so I think, you know, those are, those are really, um, important questions too because that's part of being an effective leader i think is saying okay at some point you know there is an end of life when i when i created this or when my customers create you know a capital request or a plan to to spend all this money to put in a solution then you know part of this author should say you know what i should be getting my roi back you know in three to five years and then when you get into this you know extended life where you where Customers are using something for 10 years, right? Um, you, you need to make it attractive for them to transition. And, but you need to look at the ROI, too, because, you know, you've introduced other products. You've done uh, these different things. So can you provide a migration path? And, and all of those things are part of the, I would say, also part of the sales playbook, right? The sales team should be able to say, hey, listen, you know, part of one of our services is to help you migrate over to here and if you can understand that, you know, because of, I think, let's say, um, um, security, let's say application security is a critical type thing, and it drives a lot of changes. And you could say, listen, our, our system works, but, you know, it's not going to work on, um, these, on a newer equipment set. Your equipment set is aging, or the um, patches for security have changed, and, and they, you know, essentially put a liability on, on or risk to your software running consistently, you know, how do we make you uh, go through this process so that in the end, you know, you can reduce that risk and you can, you know, run your solution, you know, with the um, perspective that, you know, you're not going to have any business continuity issues and that type of stuff. So 
Uh, I look at these things as opportunities, but I, I do think that it's really important that both sides, the customer and the, and the manufacturer or supplier of the products, you know, should, should be making money off of this thing, right? Uh, and, and that should have happened, um, let's say, the original money, the original ROI should have been taken care of, and now you've got this secondary ROI that you need to kind of look at. But, there, but it may not be like, you know, something that's outlandish, but it's, but it's something that's reasonable, and, and both companies uh, can move forward with it. Does that make sense? No, definitely. Now, we would love to kind of also get into some of the risks that uh, that could come up if you really decide to cut it off, uh, any product off at its knees. What, what, what do you think are the risks which you feel may get unnoticed or are not given the due focus as part of us deciding that we will go end of life with a specific solution or product? Well, you know, I think if you're looking at a product end of life, um, you know, that's, that's um, an interesting problem set. And, um, and there are lots of products out there that really can't um, effectively be end of life by the, by the end customer, right? It, it, it just isn't practical. So, um, and I think that's, that's an interesting problem set. And um, we have a business called Resolve, and Resolve essentially um, tries to manage, let's say, spare parts, and, and, um, and they have a sister company called Converge that, that helps manage like semiconductor second life type thing or, um, um, let's say, not second life on, 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 uh, on all parts, but also new parts and, and retaining critical parts for critical systems type of thing. And, and there's this whole different market set that's out there that says, you know, how do I find spares, right? And those spares become critical, and, and these companies go off and try to assess, you know, what type of products are going to need, what type of spares, and, and can I retain those spares or, or retain a source for those spares so I can help the companies that, that need that um, and support the repair service companies, right? And that's... That's kind of an interesting thing that's also ha- uh, has been evolving. So I- I'm kind of going to go back to the perspective of if you're a product company and you're sunsetting something, these options weren't considered, let's say, 20 years ago very often, right? And, and that created ad- outages and shortages and those type of things. Um, I think now, you know, if, if you have products that are critical or, or um, software that's critical, you know, you can go to companies now um, and they can like for example arrow will will um, reserve product and retain product and then there may be inventory carrying costs or this or that or there's a, there's margins that you have to pay for because you know both companies need to you know one company needs it the other company needs to spend money to, to provide it right to be able to provide it and um, I think that's a big thing that we can we can start leveraging because the supply chain is a lot more dynamic now than it was 30 years ago. And so um, there's a, there's a way to leverage this and it's all about, you know, demand, you know, the supply and, and can we make this a reasonable profit, you know, so that companies will stay in this marketplace. 
Let's take a quick uh, break, listeners, and let's look at the way the supply chain could get impacted when an organization decides to sunset a product. And when we mean by supply chain is if suppose you had a software or a hardware product and you are saying we are going to not carry this anymore, that means the, the folks who used to provide service and support, the folks who used to provide the components for that particular product or, or adapters or, or other type of software pieces, if you will, whatever goes into a product, everything gets shifted or, or uh, disrupted. How do you make sure that your supplier relationships stay intact? They understand why this is happening and in some form or fashion, keep them on your side so that when you build a new product or you build a different product, you are able to go to them and they will be as favorable in terms of maintaining a relationship as you always had maintained with them in the past. How do you make sure this the supplier ecosystem is kept in the best possible uh, spirit. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So a supply chain ecosystem, we nurtured it like our baby while we were developing a set of products and and had everyone work together to make it successful and create value for our customers. Now it's time to say goodbye to the product, the very baby that we created, but supply chain still needs to remain intact or at least it should be available. The partner should work and be having the relationship to a certain level that we can build new products and solutions and continue to deliver value. Do you think it is as easy as I, I make it sound? Well, Sanjog, I, I think that this this continuously occurs, you know, in the in the electronic supply chain. You know, semiconductor manufacturers, board manufacturers, and product manufacturers decide to sunset products. 
And there's a ripple effect throughout the supply chain, you know, including creating the demand for used parts and repair that we just talked about. So as we, you know, uh, kind of look into this, we're finding that there's a need, even if people are moving to new, new solution sets, there's the old solution and, and the old parts that, that need to be dealt with. And either new or used can be costly, time-consuming, and complex when you look at it from the supply chain perspective. But, but the general dynamics of the supply chain you know, are consistent, right? But how the, the, the network within the supply chain can be extremely complex. And it's an interesting effect to see the rippling, you know, across that supply chain. It's important to understand that this could be used to be not just the cause, right, but it, it can help with, with failures that are uh, not aligned just, let's say, with the product itself, but there's other disasters that could occur, like fires and raw material, um, supplier bankruptcies and, and those type of things that all affect the supply chain. And it's actually very sim- similar in effect to, to somebody retiring product, right? You know, if you've got a semiconductor um, supplier who's, who's providing um, plastics or something like that to the semiconductor house and, and that plastics company, you know, burns up, then they can't produce their their packaging for their electronic goods, and, and that kills the, that supply also. And those tend to be even worse than, let's say, a planned retirement. But in the case of computers, there's another dynamic. The, the need for computer manufacturers to continuously change their product to support new consumer markets or the consumer markets shifting, right? And they're, all, you know, they're always you know, one-upping each other. That can derive uh, a demand um, down so quickly you know, even though the product was introduced six months ago, but now the demand has fallen off significantly, you know, those products essentially get sunsetted. And then that creates this, okay, how do we support those old products? Somebody bought uh, a computer thinking they're going to have three to five years of life on it. You know, they put an ERP system on, and they really tried to, would like to, you know, get 20 years of life off that ERP system, yet the environment that you built that whole thing on is already obsolete in six months, right? So those create some some huge dynamics that says having a secondary, you know, channel, right, a, a second life channel becomes so much more critical, you know, um, I think for us to, as CIOs, as, as executives and companies, we have to consider that as we decide to make these big strategic projects because there is change. And there's a lot of dynamic change, especially even more so, I think, on the hardware side. Would you think that uh, while there are, for the most part, the partners are not trying to sabotage any attempt for you to continue or build new products, there could be disruptions that are intentional versus unintentional? And and how do you manage those? So do you create uh, a plan B for every supplier, every element in the ecosystem that you have? Yeah, and I think in some parts, you know, in, in some um, ways, that's fairly difficult, right? Um, especially when you start looking at intellectual property rights and, and patents and those type of things, because you know there may not be a secondary product out there, you know, and that's that becomes fairly critical, you know. So, so um, if there was a way to circumvent somebody's patent and come out with a different product that competes with it, you know, there's uh, that's ongoing. People try to do that all the time. Companies are, are driving that uh, to, to, to essentially 
um, share, let's say, in that high market, you know, uh, margin on, on profitability there for those, those, let's say, unique products. And so, um, so that, and I also think that that gets right back into this whole thing of end of life. You know, um, it's you need to plan that says, hey, listen, the semiconductor house, let's say, is building the processor has to keep moving that line forward in, in technology. So those lines may be running for six months to eight months, and it takes them three months to build them, and then they switch it over. So let's say it's a year. You know, there's no reason for those guys to go back in technology and produce those old parts again, right? Now, there are some companies that will go do that, you know, the secondary semiconductor houses and stuff like that. But that's kind of like the, you know, the plankton in the ocean, right? And, and, you know, that's the food source, these semiconductors. And so if you look at the dynamics there and you kind of move up, um, it's, a, it's a interesting dynamics. And that's why I think there's all these nuances in the supply chain that provide these, you know, uh, extended lives through, through like renewal, recycling, and, and those type of things. So, yeah, I don't think you can, you know, it'd be difficult to say that I'm going to buy two computers because of the, you know, uh, the, the fact that one of them may go, you know, not have spare parts or something like that. I think that there's there's more effective ways in the supply chain to deal with some of those things. So one is the risk coming from supply chain. Another is your own people. Do you think uh, coming to the enterprise environment where you may not be building a, a product per se, but then suppose you are a, you have a solution which you are trying to sunset and go out and, and take something new. Uh, what is the the problem or risks that could get uh, introduced because of our own internal people who were users of the products or champions of the products, and now they see that their their trump card has been we have decided to take that away, and that's what was the reason they were getting their paychecks and and there were other issues. Do you how do you, how do you handle the people issues when it comes to end of life? Yeah, I think that's that's a that's a really um, uh, interesting question, and and I've dwelled on that quite a bit because it does occur, and that is a big factor, and it is a problem because, uh, and you could look at let's say COBOL, right? There's a lot of COBOL solutions out there, you know, the programming language COBOL on mainframes, and uh, the mainframes haven't, you know, they they are kind of moving away from that in in the industry, but they haven't gone away. And there's a lot of critical systems, and there's a lot of efficiencies, you know, for the business to continue to run on those mainframes that have, let's say, you know, older languages, and and you start looking at it, and there and there have been over, you know, let's say the last 15 years, a development of a, you know, secondary support, you know, type thing for some of the retired languages, even, right, and uh, and you can see that in India, there's 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 outsourcing companies that that focus on that. So, uh, but I think there's a lot of dynamics there, and I think it's also critical that that companies understand that um, they need to recognize the people that are critical to the the, um, continuity and the business, you know, um, disaster recovery, right, are also some of these these people that, that support the old antiquated systems, right, because those are critical to the day to day operation of the business. And, you know, I, I, and it's not just, let's say, COBOL. I mean, I, I remember um, one time we were looking at sun, sunsetting a large printer, 
you know, one of those mechanical printers with conveyor belts on it that would do mass mailings, you know, for invoicing and for paychecks and all those type of things. And to replace that thing was just a huge, huge, you know, deal. And because uh, they'd been using it for 30 some odd years. And so, um, and the people that supported it mechanically, along with the people that supported the the code that supported that uh, the printer, uh, were, were critical. So it took a lot of effort to say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna replace that. And and when the company looks at that type of replacement, they're saying, boy, that doesn't give us any new revenue. It doesn't reduce our costs. As a matter of fact, it's going to increase our costs because the newer technology is more expensive than the older technology. And um, and retaining those people were critical. But if those people start retiring, then then you've got to make a move, and uh, and that gets fairly expensive. So I think it's important not just to look for people that are you know on the leading edge and and having impact on the leading edge. You also look need to look at the people that are sustaining, and that, that are happy sustaining things. You know because that's how you're going to leverage that end of that you know the bottom side of that that cost curve, right? Because now you're now you're making a lot of money off that in, initial investment. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back, and let's look at uh, the marketing and PR response to some of these transitions. Because again, yes, there is there are hard dollars and numbers, but there is a lot to be said about the kind of uh, impression, uh, an image that we maintain for our uh, company, because that has a direct impact on how well our new products will be received and and how our company is going to grow and be profitable. So what all are the challenges that are faced and how have the organization successfully, there may be examples when they have done it successfully and then there are examples when it was not done as successfully, not taking names, what are some of those strategies that are being uh, deployed to make sure when you're doing such transitions, end-of-life transitions, they are done with utmost uh, caution and uh, uh, so that the end result is satisfying. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. 
To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. Welcome back. So let's talk about the softer side of how brands fail and or succeed. So marketing and PR, when you are doing end of life or planning end of life, in what capacity and in what way have uh, you seen, Bill, organization handle the softer side of the brand's image so that it aids the process versus becoming, um, you know, something which is going to take it down? Yeah, I think, you know, managing your end customer's expectation, you know, at an end of life, you know, from a um, communication PR marketing standpoint is is really important when you're sunsetting. It, it, it goes way beyond just marketing and PR and communicating. There's It should ripple through the organization a little bit because um, it's, it's in that supplier's interest to create, you know, avenues for the customers to transition these product sets and services to their next generation, or actually create an opportunity to support that old the the old product set, right? And so you have to have that plan that that can support it because your customer, you know, you know they're kind of sitting there unadvised, you know, unfamiliar with how they're going to move forward with this, especially if you're um, just announcing this thing. So it's it's nice to be, you know, prepped with with let's say how how is it going to impact the customer and how can we help that customer. Um, resolve this. So the supplier should be should devise an obsolescent stocking plan, maybe, and, and by consulting with their customers regarding the future needs, you know, if if they need to like um, uh, take more time to to deploy something, you can see that also. Let's say uh, on the software side, you need to um, upgrade your exchange servers worldwide. Um, that's that's a difficult problem. You have different types of um, patch levels, different, you know, let's say exchange servers, you know, and, and, and so now maybe you may want to go to a hosted emailing solution or, or, or an on-premise solution or something like that. Well, um, that may take years for, for a large company to move over to it. The small company, it seems to be more agile and you can do some of these things a little quicker, but for a large company, you know, that, that, that change could take a lot of time, but also those large companies, you know, have a lot of, you know, potential revenue behind them, right, for, for those, for these suppliers. So I think of gaining an understanding of how the, how the, these business plans of, um, you know, of the supplier and how it relates to the sunsetting of key products is, is key. And I think it's not just enough to say, I'm going to go have a, mar- a, you know, a marketing campaign and communication camp- uh, campaign, but I think, the businesses need to look at this as an opportunity to help provide guidance to their customers, but provide guidance to the customer that's beneficial to both the customer and also the supplier of the product. So when you look at, uh, uh, suppose you have to define a playbook and and you could look at end-of-life transition, where would you say is a benchmark or is there a benchmark or set of standards that you would feel are tried and tested and proven which organizations who have not yet embarked upon that uh, either journey or not done it the right way could follow? Yeah, I think... Um, is it the Wild West? 
where people do whatever they think is best, or is there some method to the madness? Well, I think I think there, there it is kind of the wild west, um, and that's why there's been a number of companies, you know, that that really kind of started up into the, you know, asset disposition industry, and um, and also then there's a lot of things that come in the news. You know, you see these you know landfills with with electronic goods and. And then you you get concerned about the environmental issues, and you know a company may have no consideration of, oh yeah, I'm going to end up getting on the news because um, we dispose of assets improperly and or, or the end of life type properly, and so but they do pop up, and those are things that you know are disheartening, right? For for any executive in a company to say, gosh, you know, I'm trying to do this new thing and have this big impact, and yet on the on the tail end of something that shouldn't be that critical and shouldn't have been that that visible and um now becomes you know very you know um you know into the light and and it, it could be a, a big problem so i think the playbook you know and i used to use the playbook because it was like you know i tried to learn from my experiences but as i got into this industry and i started looking at how like arrow was addressing this thing it was so much more than what what i had imagined and and so um i think it's really important to go off and say you know what i understand this is not part of my key business initiatives i'm going to get help it's not that expensive it could actually be um you know you can actually make money on the disposition of product that you're that you're you know um uh, transitioning out of your organization, and you get all these services, and then you know if you introduce it into a secondary market, you know through a service provider, then um, there, there's there's actually uh, help in your ROI case to move forward with your new stuff that you're trying to go do. So, you know, I think it's really interesting these playbooks that I've kind of changed mine around and said, here's the things I got to go do when I do a major project and I'm doing a retirement as part of it, right? I'm now kind of saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about the all the details of that the retirement side of it the disposition side of it I'm gonna go out and and pick up somebody who's who knows it because actually they can do it more effectively and I can actually probably make money on the backside of that you know one one final question what type of leadership that you think uh, one might like one might need to demonstrate when you're dealing with this end of life, what is it that a technology leader and their corresponding business unit leaders have to do? And uh, how do they work together to make this happen in the most uh, successful manner? So are you talking from the supplier standpoint or the... Con- or the-, the company which is initiating this end of life, their oh, okay. own leadership. Okay, so if you're if you're talking about, you know, how you're using equipment and, and a, a solution set and that type of stuff, um, that's actually a project in itself. And there should be an ROI. And, and maybe the ROI um, has to assess business continuity and risk and those, those type of things. And, and it's, it should be managed just like any other project with, you know, okay, here's where we're going to go, here's how we're going to, um, here's the budget for it, here's the plan, and here's the project, you know, details and stuff like this. If you're talking more from a, you know, supplier side of end of life, you know, I think it. I think that you know, as we were talking about before, um, that's also an opportunity. And I think it's important to say, you know, do we want to partner with somebody to stock spare parts? Do we want to partner with um, companies that help 
do the migration over to the new products that we're producing? You know, what are, let's say, deficiencies in a new product, you know, that aren't covered by, that, that don't cover some of the features that were in the old product, right? Or now it's two sets and it's, a, you know, they split up the, the licensing package on the software or whatever. All of those type of things, the supplier should have a playbook that, that they're telling their salespeople and their, and their marketing and, and uh, PR groups, you know, how to, to manage that, that transition, right, and help those, those customers. Because the last thing you want is, is to have these customers, you know, bad-mouthing in, in, into the marketplace, right, because it really could be an opportunity versus uh, an issue, right? So on behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Bill, uh, for sharing your thoughts about how uh, organizations can effectively manage end-of-life transitions. Yeah, this has been a great discussion. I, I'm, I'm glad that you uh, uh, decided to kind of venture into this because this is a difficult topic. It's you know certainly not um, what some companies would consider strategic, but in the end it could be just incredibly um, – uh, it could create an incredible issue, right, if it's not dealt with properly. So, um, so I'm glad you kind of brought it out to the surface. It's, it's, a, it's a great discussion. Thank you so much again, Bill. And uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed and got some value out of this conversation. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and please be sure to follow us on Twitter. And also join our new and improved newsletter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.